You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie, and I am here with Christy, and we have a special guest today who we'll introduce in just a minute. But um, Christy, what do we have? Phrase, word, joke? So we do ask our people kind of what is the season? Like we ask them to fill in the blank at the very end on the lightning round. Like what is your narrative? Right? Like we are yes. on the noisy like narrative. Like the staff interviews we're doing, we're asking them these questions mm-hmm. after. Yeah. So okay. the other day I was thinking about like, well, what is my narrative right now? Have you're you thought about this? A, yeah. Like, you that's, think about I it? hadn't. But like, yeah, that's a great question. You're yeah. going to ask ourselves that. So then yeah. tell me. So I've asked, my, asked myself that or thought through that. And I thought I'm a very reflective narrative right now. I feel like the last couple of years has just been chaos. And it's been fun to look back and see kind of where God is brought me where he was with me where I thought like what in the world even times like I don't even know how I got through that season right but it's it's fun to be on this side so here's my question though if you could look back and go back to any point in your life where would you go back to so right now you're sitting in your mid-40s and you could go back to I'm any season of life. three months from 50. Well, so you're still in your 40s. <laughs> Where would you go back to? Oh, wow. Where would I go back to? Mm-hmm. Personally, just in, for any reason. I'm not putting any rules on no it, No rules Debbie. on you it. I'm saying college. To. I got to say college. That's where I'd go back to in a heartbeat. Why? I, well, good question. Um, I grew so much in college. Mm. My faith, like I was, I'm a missionary kid. Most people know that about me. But I feel like in college is where my faith became my own. Mm. Like I owned it. I grew in it. I learned to love the Lord so much. I met my husband there. I made very, very deep friendships there that I still have to this day. College at A&M was a hugely pivotal, hugely pivotal time for me. So that's where I would go back. That's good. To, I, don't, I, let that, I look back on that and I'm so grateful because mm-hmm. I almost didn't go to A&M. And mm. I think it would have been a big mistake. If Where I would you have gone? Watchtaw Baptist. Oh, what made yeah, I you? I had a scholarship there. And then what made you switch to A&M? Um, it's funny. I did not. I was determined I was not going to go to A&M. I thought they were crazy people. Back so, in the day, they were. <laughs> they were I'm pretty sorry. Like, I had up. a big group of yeah. friends that went and I was like, that's a cult. That's weird. Exactly. I mean, you know, lighthearted cult, but. Well, and we had, you know, we, I had moved a lot my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing that stayed consistent where we moved was my understanding of church life. So even when my schools changed Mm -hmm. all that church culture, um, was familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So when I went to Watchtaw Baptist, that place felt Mm. familiar. It felt comfortable, homey. And they offered, um, I got, I didn't get a free ride, but I got quite a bit of money off. So, um, we didn't have, I was paying for school myself. So I was like, that was, and then I had a couple of friends going too. Um, well, what happened was my dad went to a navigator conference. My dad was a navigator missionary. He went there the spring of my senior year of high school and he went to Glenary up in Colorado Springs, which is the headquarters of navigators. And he roomed, happened to be there at the conference and roomed with the navigator rep from A and M, and my dad had wanted me to go to A and M for like he really kept asking me. I was like, no, no, no. Did he well, tell you why he wanted you to go to A and M? He just thought it was a great school. Okay, and he just loved. Well, it, you well, know, it we is. Fo- well, and we'd followed the military around. Yeah. I mean, my dad was a navigator mm-hmm. missionary, and we were stationed at Air Force bases mm-hmm. around, you know, in England, and so he just he loved that culture, right? Mm-hmm. So. um, so what's funny is that Shane Sanders was his name. He just told my dad, he said, you get her to A&M and we'll do the rest. That's awesome. And so he just asked me, he said, okay, you don't have to go. I'm just asking that you go visit. Mm. So take a friend. Y'all drive down there. So we did, I, my, myself and a friend, we drove ourselves. So your parents didn't go with you? They didn't. Was that a big deal for y'all to go by yourself? It was. I would think so from it what you've was. spoken about your family. Yes, it was a big deal. That's drove awesome. from, even though I will say my dad was so strict in some ways and not in others. I flew from England overseas here with a couple of friends of mine by ourselves when we were 14 to go to camp. 
Um, so, I mean, it just, but that was a money thing, a logistic, like we legit can't afford me to fly with my daughter. So you go. Well, yes, for sure. A hundred percent. And so, um, but so I went to go visit, stayed with the Sanders family and they had lined up all these girls, these college girls (laughs) (laughs) to meet with me that were a couple of them were freshmen, a couple of them were older, but two of the freshmen they had lined up to meet with me ended up being two of my best friends and my college roommates later on. Um, you know, and so I met these girls, I went to, they had a nav rally that weekend, navigators, and then went to church at Grace Bible Church with them and did all, and then left, came home and was like, I'm going to a fell in love with it, applied, got in all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. of course I went and I was immediately was involved in Grace Bible mm-hmm. and navigators and education, you know, it's loved great. it, but yeah. it was huge. And my dad just, I mean, he did the right thing. He was like, just check. You don't have to yeah. just... You know, so I was, and then the friend who went with me was wanting me to go to Baylor because I'd gotten into Baylor too, but no money there. And so I was like, there's no way. No way. <laughs> no Mm-mm. way. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so I would say college, a big old story. Nice. Okay. And but, then you met Jamie. And then I met Jamie there okay. too. That's yeah. great. Yeah. See, that's it was, good. It was it's fun to think back <laughs> and be like, hmm, what would I, what would I have done? So you're, but you're reflective because you just finished seminary your life's been a blur a blur so mm-hmm. you're probably just real happy right to be here yeah, <laughs> you're I like am. i don't want to go back to that i just mm-hmm. want to no. rest no i would go back i just think i i wish i would have done it right out of college like i wish somebody would have seen that in me and had enough gumption to say you need to go pursue this but it, we're my seminary fa- yes mm. and i did have a pastor when i went back to him five years ago six years ago and i was like hey thinking about going to seminary, he's like, you should have gone 20 years ago. And I was like, well, if you would have said that to me, I would have gone because he had such an influence in my life. But he didn't just because of, I don't know why. And I was like, if you would have said that, and I did say that to him, he was like, yeah, I probably should have. So, but I have that relationship with him. Yes, to where you can. Yes, he's just wonderful. Yes. And so we But think of all that. I think of your life, though, experiences that you've been able to pull in and apply like yeah. in your ministry now that you wouldn't have had. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, so yeah, there is a purpose, yeah. but, but I'm, it is fun. There's certain wrestling. seasons of your life. You mm-hmm. cannot look back mm-hmm. like you, cause you can barely even see what's for like right now. I'm not looking what's too far ahead, but I am like, wow, I can't believe he's brought me here Yeah, or where we're at. Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's a fun season. I don't feel like I've been there very often, Yeah, often. So it is a fun new season and I'm not good at sitting still. And so it's making me kind of be like, just enjoy this. Like, you don't have to go get your Look, PhD, the next Christy. Thing, the next thing. Right. The next and I'm thing, already yeah. like, oh, I want to go to my PhD. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Just sit here. <laughs> so myself, just you sit will here. eventually go back to school. You know you will. I don't know. Right. We'll you see. Don't know. Just We're just going right. to enjoy. Stop it, Debbie. We're just going to sit here. Stop it. Okay. Let's get Yeah, it doesn't our... help yes. when you, no, when yes, you get prodded by me. other yes. people, does it? Stop it. <laughs> All right, we have to introduce our guests mm-hmm. now that we've done our our blab session, our gab mm-hmm. session. I liked that question though; that was good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Your your questions are much better than my. Hey, how you doing? It's good. That's <laughs> good because I hate her. She asks me that all the time, and I'd always be like, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Especially what I'm doing. last year. Oh, it was that horrible. was horrible. <laughs> It was so stressful. I would even get ready. Like, she's going to ask me how I'm doing. Okay, I got I to gotta come up with something. It was the worst was question the of the moment. <laughs> but now I'm okay. And anybody who's listened to us last year knows that. Knows, yes. knows uh, yes. Christy's response to that question. Horrible. Okay, so introduce our guest. Oh, me. Hi. Yes. This is our guest. He's Mark Caswell. He's got two boys. Oh, my gosh. Ages are? 15 and 13. What grade are they, though? 10th and 8th. Oh, I was almost off. 10th and... Oh, yeah, that's Hudson right. We have two of the same. Hudson is a 10th grader. That's right. We Jack have two of the same. is an 8th grader. And you are mm-hmm. a minister of missions. No. Minister See, that's why I should introduce people. I'm horrible. Connection. Yeah, the, our it titles, though, in your defense, the titles around here have been changing frequently lately. And I wear multiple, multiple hats, hats. including yes, missions. Yes. So you're not wrong. So say it again, your title Minister is... Minister of Gospel and Connection. Gospel and Connection. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, yeah. 
And so congratulations you to, on your new title. Well, <laughs> well, we do have to, I was, we're asking everybody before we delve into testimony and background yeah. to explain what their job is. What is it you do? What is the minister of gospel and connection? Yeah. Uh, the gospel piece is evangelism training. Uh, and so I've been tasked to uh, help provide an evangelism strategy to train and equip our adults to make disciples who make disciples. And so we have a, uh, uh, a weekly outreach uh, that we have paused during the dreadfully hot summer. And mm. so we'll resume uh, here in the coming weeks where we actually go out and practice sharing our faith. Uh, two times a year, fall and spring, we have a uh, semester Bible study we call the 10 for 10. And then we have a quarterly uh, training on a Saturday where we, we explain how to articulate your testimony, how to articulate the gospel, how to lead someone to Christ, and what to do with them after uh, that happens. And so that's the... That's the gospel piece, evangelism training. Connection piece is taking, uh, providing a um, kind of a discipleship path for first-time guests, all the way up to um, you know fully uh, involved members that are growing in their faith. And so, uh, what do we do with our first-time guests? You know, we uh, we welcome them. We provide a, a, an on-ramp for them to learn more about the church through what we call our newcomers meet and greet. We do that mm-hmm. monthly, uh, and then uh, once they attend that, we uh, encourage them to uh, try out a life group. So I'm constantly working names, say, hey, I've, you know, have you tried a life group yet? Uh, trying to push them into that. Once they become uh, regular attenders in a life group, then I push them to join the church at our quarterly new members mm-hmm. class. So I'm constantly talking to life group members. Hey, I see you're still not a member. Our next one's September 11th. Uh, pushing them to that. Once they come to that, we push them to come to our quarterly serve team meetings where we want you to use your gifts and talents to serve inside or outside the walls of the church. So I'm, I'm constantly moving buckets of people into those um different options you know yeah, the and various avenues so exactly. would you are you an extrovert would you say yeah Is that what I, I think I'm, I'm an extrovert until i run out of gas yeah. and then i need my backyard and mm. you know books and mm-hmm. quiet because uh, you at yeah. your job you have to enjoy people yeah, oh absolutely and i love uh you know sunday morning meeting tons of new people yeah. um you know i love um you know following up with them and getting lunches and calls and answering questions mm-hmm. about our church uh, it's, it's, it's a job that I feel really, um, spoiled in, in many ways. Cause it's, it's, and I know it sounds cheesy and, but it's, it's my two favorite things, Jesus and the church. That's what I'm constantly selling for lack of better terms. I'm, I'm, I'm promoting the gospel. I'm promoting the church. And I think it's the two most important, mm. you know, you know, person and thing in the world. And so, uh, I, there's a lot about ministry that I don't have to do, uh, which are the things that I, uh, can do, but don't enjoy as much. Uh, and this, uh, I feel like is one of the, the more pure parts of ministry that I get to do constantly. And that's who I'm, I'm constantly working with people and moving them closer to, uh, either a relationship with God or an active, um, uh, church member and, mm-hmm. and all the, and all the good things that that in, entails. That that brings. Right. And so underneath that, I also, uh, along with Mike Gould oversee our first impressions ministry, which again is connected to that connection piece. So all of our welcome center greeters, parking lot people, um, I oversee them. So I'm constantly recruiting for that, training them for that. Blue tent. Uh, blue tent is definitely part of kind of that connection piece. Um, and then, uh, missions. I oversee our missions team, which is a new role, uh, that, uh, I've been given. And so I'm, uh, trying to find partners for us to, uh, connect with and partner with, uh, not necessarily, you know, organizing mission trips, although that could come in, in the future in, in some way, but more, uh, highlighting what our church is already doing, uh, introducing our missionaries to the church, mm-hmm. uh, coming up with creative ways to, um, to let our people know who our missionaries are and how they can connect with them. I think that's a, a, a very responsible, healthy part about being a church member, especially of a Southern Baptist church. You know, missions is kind of our thing. Evangelism is kind of our thing that uh, really separated us from other denominations in, in the beginning of, 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 you know, the Baptist church. 
And so that's been a lot of fun for, um, for me and, and, and David and Chuck to really dream about and what do we want that to look like. And so uh, I've already added about 12 new partners, church planners, missionaries that um, uh, we'll be introducing in the coming weeks and months. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun uh, for sure. Uh, I also bring in two um, speakers a year, uh, we, what we used to call bridge training. Now we're calling it our gospel training events. We've had a guy named Richard Ross that came, talked about parenting. Uh, we've had a guy named Kyle Pearson who talked about um, evangelism. Mark Matlock is an author mm-hmm. we've brought in. And so they're kind of one-day conferences that um, I've also been tasked mm-hmm. to try to, to find that for. So, so yeah, it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's all the things I enjoy about yeah. ministry and very, very little that, that I don't. Um, so, Mark, tell us a little bit about where um, you grew up, because you're a local boy. Yep. Yeah, yes. I grew up so. in, um, well, I was, I was born in Houston. Uh, we moved to Denton when I was two, um, and that's where I went to uh, uh, elementary school, preschool, uh, you know, middle school, all the way up to college in North Texas. We were uh, kind of, I was born and raised First Baptist Church, Denton is my home church, Um and, uh, yeah, I, I loved growing up in Denton. It was, uh, it's, it's, you know, as we all know from this area, it's, it's, you know, it's close to Dallas, it's close to Fort Worth, but it's not in Dallas, it's not in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and we have a personal connection yes. because you're, you guys went to, um, first Denton mm-hmm. and my sister-in-law was there before she met my brother um, and knew Micah, right? Yep. She was Micah's, Micah's it, my brother. Yeah, yep. your older brother. Yep. And, um, and then when we interviewed Mark and Mark got hired here, we were talking and I, he, you mentioned your brother. I don't know what it was or mm-hmm. Micah was mentioned in a phone conversation. And we realized that Micah, your older brother's good friends actually with yep. my brother. Um, because my brother was on staff at Den Bible. Right. And Micah you know, went through the program there with that, Tom Nelson. And, uh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That, um, John and was Tom's a, part of. a I mean, he's a family friend. You know, he and my my dad mainly were were good friends when when my dad's and my, when my mom and dad started the Crisis Pregnancy Center. Yes. Tom Nelson was an early advocate of that, and because uh, they started that in Denton. Yes. Right. Yeah. Nineteen eighty-five, six, something like that. Yeah. So how old were you? Were you a part of that at all? Like, did you work? Yeah. Were you part I mean, of that just, ministry? Yeah, I mean, just that was, uh, you know. I, Tell I'm, us about that part. I'm yeah. so proud of my parents for doing that. And, mm-hmm. and for those that don't know, it's it's a crisis pregnancy center in Denton. And so, um, you know, they uh, provide counseling and resources for uh, ladies, couples that, you know, have an unplanned pregnancy that they don't know what to do with. They're contemplating abortion. And so they... Uh, of course, try to talk them out of that, talk about, you know, the value of that life, regardless of, of how the pregnancy came to be. And, um, and so that was our family ministry growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I was stuffing envelopes as a kid for, mm-hmm. you know, our fundraising banquets. And, you know, I remember going with my dad to Texas Right to Life, you know, uh, conventions and yeah. watching him debate people, uh, you know, who were pro-choice and, uh, and just kind of following you know, their, uh, their leadership through that. And so that's made a big impact on me on, uh, on what it looks like for our, um, uh, you know, for, for a person not called to church ministry to be called to a specific ministry. And mm-hmm. my dad sold real estate. My mom worked in North Texas. You know, we all played football, basketball, everything. And, and they felt God commanding them to start that and they obeyed. And that's something yeah. oftentimes we, uh, in the church don't talk about enough as one other hat of leadership I wear is our serve teams, mm-hmm. uh, which I was my original title. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but getting our people to getting our people mobilized to serve the community in, in tangible ways. And I talk about my parents a lot with mm-hmm. that to say, you know, it could be children's ministry. It could be volunteering at this school or, or, or starting a nonprofit organization, you know, and, and I talk about following the leading and calling that God has on your life and, uh, and being patient for that and not just assuming I don't have that, you know, and, right. uh, and that's, that's critical. And so it's been fun to, to take that, what I've learned from them and then, and then apply it. When I was a youth pastor, I was very involved much more in, um, in the, uh, crisis pregnancy center there in Denton, because I would go, they developed a, a program, uh, that somehow Denton ISD approved of, which was a, a, a just a God thing there. A different time though too, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But 
it's still a God thing mm-hmm. without question mm-hmm. uh, for us to go in and teach a curriculum called weight training, which was essentially the health class in, in the high schools. And so I, you know, volunteered for that. And I, I taught kind of the sex ed class, Hmm. um, which, you know, certainly included the biology piece of it, but it was, it was also very much uh, focused on just healthy behavior around dating, healthy behavior around uh, helping kids understand, you know, what STDs are, what the law is around that. If you get someone pregnant, if you get pregnant, what does that mean legally, you know, in that sense, Uh, we taught kids uh, how to, how to go on a date you know, what are the pros and cons of a day, time date, or an evening date with friends, without friends? And man, it was so much fun. And and so that was something I had great conversations with students and and they loved it. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they just ate it up. And so that was very much a part mm-hmm. of, of that. Uh, I was trying to use it as a way as a youth pastor to get into schools mm-hmm. and meet kids. And, but also just because of my background, you know, yeah. I wanted to um, you know, be of service any way I could. Now you graduated from UNT. Yes. With a degree in? Uh, interdisciplinary studies, uh, basically elementary education. I was going to, um, uh, teach and coach originally. And, uh, my sister actually, and I uh, had a great conversation where she kind of talked me out of that and to go the more elementary education route to be a principal and a superintendent. That was mm-hmm. kind of my goal there. Um, and so I, my I student taught in kindergarten and second grade and uh, kindergarten is not for me. Uh, I was say, so I don't feel like I can really you ask, see you. Oh, now second grade, I was good. You yeah. know, I, well, you, you know, you're yeah. a great, you're, you come and help us with VBS yeah. all the time and yeah. you do fourth grade and third just grade and you're good. Just not, not kindergarten. kindergarden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I realized, White you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was that. Oh. And it was when I was telling a kid how to take their coat off in the winter and it took me like 30 minutes i thought <laughs> i can't do this like you're this on your own kid figure it out life. yeah just keep it on uh, all day you'll be fine you know, second graders they're cute and they can you know they can go to recess on their own they can go to lunch on their own and <laughs> you know and learn science and yeah you know, but they're still nice and and sweet and oh so, my goodness uh, yes but, that's true uh, and i, and I like the idea i sat in on ards and got to know the principals mm-hmm. and, and i liked how watching those principals and seeing how they hired teachers mm-hmm. and, you know, the importance of, of that leadership role within a school and a community is I had a great elementary principal that um, I kept in contact with. My mom worked at my school for a period of time and um, I just saw the leadership opportunities there and how you really can impact lives in a community. And, and so that's, that's why I got my degree in that. Okay. And so then how did you go from there to seminary? Yes. And so about halfway through college, uh, I was in a college guys Bible study with a friend named Clay Carter, who was the youth pastor at era first Baptist church, small little town in Gaines near Gainesville. And I was already kind of you know, I was on the student leadership team with college ministry. Uh, I think I taught a, a freshman guy Sunday school class um, within our student ministry, which I was a very active um, when I was in high school and middle school. I loved my, my student ministry years. And uh, he just kind of brought it up one evening at a, at a Bible study. Hey, pray for me. I'm, I, I'm thinking about leaving this church and going to a different church. And I just kind of sat there listening and, and he's, and he kind of said, Hey, pray, you know, for the right person to, to fill, to fill my spot. And I just kind of thought maybe, maybe I should talk about that, you know, and pursue that. And so I did, and I met with him. We talked about it, met with a pastor, long story short, um, you know, got hired there to be the part-time youth pastor while I was in school. Um, when I began, I, st- I still did not feel called to ministry and uh, never had a real lightning bolt moment that it made it obvious. But about halfway through, I felt like God was saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to serve in the church and, and be involved in vocational ministry. And uh, I just felt good at, at that I was good at youth ministry, that I was good with people. You know, I was, I, I had much to learn, but, but, you know, a, a decent leader and, and all of that, and just felt like this is what God had prepared me for, wants me to do. And so, um, yeah, once I graduated from, uh, college and then I, I went, uh, immediately into seminary after that. So, yeah. And then you, and what'd you get your degree in? 
Uh, my degree is, is a master's of advanced theological studies. Uh, and so it's basically the MDiv without the languages. Oh, and okay. so without the Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. And... I took Greek and Hebrew one and, um, um, for a, a couple of different reasons, just felt like that degree that I landed with mm-hmm. best fit me of what I wanted to do. Um, but, uh, but I loved my time in seminary. It was, yeah. it was great. And I, uh, I learned a ton. I love my professors. I love the books. I love the, the projects and the papers. And, um, and I was, and I loved being done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loved <laughs> it all sure. and loved it when it was finished. Right. And, uh, from era, I, I, Tara and I got married in 04. Uh, and, uh, was, wait, 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 no, no. How did you can't just skip me? over? Yes. Uh, met Tara, Sorry. uh, Kind of backtracking a little bit, talking about Denton Preschool and First Denton, uh, Scott Nelson is a member of our church, uh, and he is uh, probably my closest, certainly my, my longest friend that I've known him uh, the longest, and uh, he and I were best friends all the way up through, and we never went to the same school ever, uh, but just church friends. and uh, At First Denton. At First Denton. And then uh, I was his best man, and Tara was a bridesmaid in their wedding. Tara and Kim are from West Texas, Big Spring, yes. Texas Tech, and uh, we met at uh, at their wedding. And Scott and Kim, I, I didn't think, and I, I still don't, were, were never big matchmakers or whatever, but they were both adamant with with each of us that we were perfect for each other and all that, that kind of stuff. That you would fit. Yes. And so uh, we met and started uh, long-distance dating, emailing uh, on the uh, the dial-up. Uh, was email. Email. Yes. This was a long time ago. This was 03, 02. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, so we were both uh, – I was finishing my undergrad. She w- had just started her master's uh, at Texas Tech. She's a speech pathologist by trade, works at Legacy Christian Academy uh, now – but, um, but yeah, we met at the wedding and, uh, started dating and then, uh, we, uh, got married in 04, July 10th, 04. And so and Scott and Kim were in your wedding. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without question. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, and so it's been a fun circle as we've come back yeah. here, you know, in fact, we actually and joined that's just crazy. All y'all ended up here. Oh that's yeah. Just like, and we, I mean, we got married and moved to a house in Providence off 380. And as I was kind of in between those ministry positions, then I went to first Baptist Anna. So I just drove there. But before Anna, we actually joined this church and when Chuck had just started. Oh. Uh, and, uh, so that was kind of a fun yeah. circle back. Um, but, um, but yeah, I went on to Anna was there uh, for three years, four years, went back to my home church, First Baptist Denton, where his youth pastor there for five years. We planted a church in Indianapolis, and then uh, um, we were there uh, three years, and then we uh, have been here now just over five years. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of bouncing around. You did. I remember... I think I first met you because we had just finished VBS and you guys were about to plant the church up in Indiana. Yeah. I think, so right? first Frisco was one of our partner churches. In fact, Chuck, you came and loaded up a massive, uh, yeah, like a trot, like a trailer mm. yep. with all of our VBS set from our yes. stage oh, with wow. everything. Yeah. And that was when we first met That's because right. we were, you were just playing a church. You were about to go up. You wanted to be able to do VBS and, Chuck is like, well, talk to Debbie. I don't know what we're doing their stuff. And I'm like, absolutely take yeah. it. You can use it because yeah. <laughs> we yeah, don't we have to worry about it. No, absolutely. And then you hauled it up and you guys were literally moving that summer, right? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, First Frisco came on as a, as a partner uh, relatively early in, in the process and, and definitely as it moved along, mainly just from my relationship with Steve and Chuck, uh, who uh, when Steve was here, uh, Steve's Steg is a longtime family friend and uh, but Best then Chuck, friends with your parents. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Chuck um, also planted a church in Indiana, so there was a real connection there. Yeah. And he was a great keynote speaker at one of our fundraising events. And then, um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of a long story, but but basically we just felt, you know, Chuck reached out and said, man, we could use your help in ABC area here at the church. We love what you're doing up in Indiana. You know, would you even consider, you know, praying about that? And um and we did, and it was a very hard decision, you know, to do that. But it's, I just kind of go back to, you know, really kind of learn a lot from my parents and, and again, following that calling, either that calling is a made up concept or it's not. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as we prayed about that, 
we we felt God leading us to do that, to come here in this vibrant, growing um, part of North Texas, which when I was at Denton, that was one of my biggest reasons as I was kind of pro and con planting a church. Why am I leaving this fastest growing city in the in America, you know, primarily of unreached people coming here, you know, right. to go to an unreached city to plant a church? Uh, and of course, we wrestled through that and went. Uh, but coming back, it's like, man, Frisco is is the place, you know, that mo- most of these people are coming and we see it every, every Sunday here from mm-hmm. people all over the world. And, uh, and so that, that among other things was kind of, you know, some of our main reasoning, we felt God leading us to, to come back. And so you're all your family's here local. Uh, right? yes. My yeah. sister and her family were in college station and they moved here. They're actually members of our church, uh, after we had been here about a year. And then, uh, yeah, my brother is in South Denton, Corinth. Uh, my mom is, uh, lives in Valley View, but still works in Denton. So yeah. yes, this area. All this all area. Here. And your right. brother's still a pastor? Correct. Of his yeah. Church, right? He pastors. So you're re- both, both in pastoral ministry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He's a uh, pastor's uh, Redeemer Denton church. He started, um, gosh, seven years ago now, eight years ago, nine It's been a while. Yeah. A little while ago. Yeah, he came back to Denton right as we were leaving for Indiana. And so that's that's roughly eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that's just why that's awesome that you're all in ministry. Yeah, that's what's your birth order? I am the youngest, Micah is the middle, and Molly is the oldest. So three we are all three years apart. Molly, Micah, and Mark. Correct. Yeah. My mm-hmm. mom rarely calls me by my first name. It's usually Mike, Mike, Mark, Mark, Micah, and all that kind of stuff. And so <laughs> That's true. Usually That's it doesn't get mixed up with Molly, but uh, but yeah. Somewhere I don't know. I, I get my I got the same, I get I get my mixed up all the time. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, like, just personally, when we um have been just talking about just kind of personal stories, some about what's leading us through ministry, and just foundationally what. God's done in, um, in our lives. So I was going to see if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit. I remember having a conversation with you because you and Tara had talked to someone just about handling grief because your family's gone through some hard stuff. Tidal wave of grief. Tidal waves of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Grief. Right. And so there's always, I feel like when we're talking in our podcast, a lot of times, um, God puts people in the hot seat that always have something, a nugget that they can give our ladies, our people, our women who are listening to this, because in the end, God uses our stories to minister. Right. So if I would love it, if you wouldn't mind, um, just a little bit talking about how, um, the help you and Tara saw it kind of helped you guys navigate some hard times. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, the, the churchy answers are correct in this, that you have, to, um, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like, either you have that or you don't. And you can be a cultural Christian without the Holy Spirit uh, prodding you, convicting you, comforting you, and, um, and, and it's, it's hard. It's harder to, to mm-hmm. navigate, you know, grief or, or hardship that is— that is just huge. Uh, and so that's, that's critical. And I, I kind of go back to what I love about my job. It's, it's, it's my favorite things. My favorite is Jesus in the church. And so again, being involved in a local body of believers and not just attending, but actually involved. And we, uh, uh, went through a very hard season and the church came around us, um, in, in a beautiful way, uh, and, and, and just loved us well, encouraged us. We have a, an amazing support system and we gained an amazing support system very quickly after coming here. And, uh, the big tragedy that we experienced, we were only here about a year. And so we didn't, were you only here a year? Yeah, roughly. Happened? Yeah. And oh, so okay. will you speak to the tragedy in case yeah, people don't care? Oh, yeah. We lost a, a family member to suicide and, uh, it was, I mean, it was the worst thing imaginable, worst mm-hmm. thing ever. And, uh, you know, I think of Robert Taylor, I think of Chuck, I think of Steve, you know, I think of, you know, specific people, Chris, you know, Hurt, you know, who just loved our family well, life group leaders, uh, Scott and Kim Nelson. Uh, I mean, they just came alongside us, uh, Ruby and Abby John and uh, you know, Scott and Kim, uh, kind of the exceptions there, most people who, who didn't know us very well, yeah. uh, but they did what church people do, you know, uh, which is uh, they come alongside those that are hurting and, and loved them very well. 
and so you have to have that relationship with Christ. You have to be active in a, in a local church. And I, I just can't emphasize it enough. Uh, the, so the how do you know? How did you know when it was time? Because I think what's hard in ministry, a lot of times people think we have the answers, right? And even if you've been a believer a long time, you think you're supposed to have the answers sometimes, like you're saying, the churchy answers that they're correct. It's not like they're wrong. How do you know when it's time to reach out and go, like, we can't do this on our own? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know when you're grieving, suffering, grieving, grieving and you're like, I should be able to handle this. Like, but yeah. I'm suffering in such a way that I don't know if I, and I wasn't meant to do it alone. Like, I don't know. How do you know when that's time or how did y'all know or? Well, for, for us, it, it was such a, a big deal. I mean, it was such a, you know, we all have hard times that we grieve and and that are small, medium, and large levels mm-hmm. of grief. This one was like extra large. And so yes. the, the church just automatically, I mean, I didn't call so out pe- for anything. So people know? were there yeah. and you yeah. just had to take they, the hands, you're saying. We got calls and casseroles yeah. and okay. all the stuff. Yeah. You know, that we, we, yeah. did, we did need to accept it. We did need to uh, feel willing to, uh, to, when people came over to visit, to sit down and visit with them. Uh, was that know, hard? Cause you probably yes, had a lot of, visits. yes, you want to crawl into a hole and disappear. Yeah. And, uh, and so this, so that it's the healthiness of it. And, you know, mm. I'll get to counseling in a second, but, uh, but those two are critical. You know, you have to, you have to, all you have is Jesus when it comes, yeah. when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, you know, yeah. nothing makes you feel better, you know, when you go through something that mm. big. And so sometimes people, have an unrealistic expectation that if I go to this, then I'll feel better. And mm-hmm. that scar is there and it will never be removed. And I, it's all, I get choked up even talking about it mm-hmm. now. And it's just right under the surface mm-hmm. always. And, uh, and so, but it's healthy to embrace what the church was designed to do. One of what one of the designs of, of the church, which is to care for one another. Uh, and yeah. there's a ton of one another verses uh, in scripture. And man, we felt it. Uh, and, and if I was at First Baptist Denton, we would have felt it. If I was still at our at Legacy Stone Church in Indiana, we would have felt it because that's what that's what the church is. That's what Christians do. It's what healthy churches are. Right? Very much mm-hmm. so. What's, yeah, it's a good point. That's what healthy churches yeah. uh, do, and uh, and so that was really good. But it was such a a unique thing, a new tragedy for us that. Um, you know, I, I describe it as it's, it's a brick wall that you don't know how to scale. You don't know how to get around. And we talk about it in premarital counseling, you know, couples that I officiate their weddings, you know, you're, everyone has these brick walls that come up. Mm-hmm. You go to a counselor when you can't figure out how to get around that wall or go through it. You don't know how. And so I did not know how to talk about that with my kids outside of just directly this happened. Uh, I didn't know how to comfort them. I didn't know how to love my sister well mm-hmm. through this. I didn't know how to talk to my brother-in-law about this. Um, you know, I didn't know how to lead my family well, you know, through this by loving Tara well and, and just the just all the grief that comes with that. And so we went to see uh, uh, Bob Good over at Stonebriar Christian Counseling. So you guys actually went to counseling. Yeah, so when, and oh, okay. I had never been to that. Before. Did somebody suggest it, or was it just no, your own gumption? No, this was like, I don't know how to deal with this, and okay. I need help, you know, oh, okay. in that. And so um, so he was, initially I didn't like him, because if anyone knows Bob, he's, he's kind of dry at first, but uh, but that's, that's a good trick I learned quickly in counseling. Number one, it, it, sometimes you don't connect well with a counselor, and, and, and you need to be persistent until you find one you connect with. But I was like, I showed up, and I was like, this happened, fix me, you know, yeah. whatever. And he just stared right back at me and didn't say a word. And he's not a come cry on my shoulder kind of a guy. And so at first I was like, well, I don't like this. This stinks, you know, you know, whatever. And Tara's like, no, we got to give it. So Tara was with you. Oh yeah. Big time. And, uh, um, and, and then I learned that I tell people now you get the most out of counseling when you come with one or two questions that are, uh, that are specific questions about that wall. Like, I don't know how to scale this. Mm. I don't know how to get around it. There's some humility there. Oh, though. big time. Yeah. 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 Like, Which I is mean, why you don't like to... your first meeting yeah, at counseling. Because yeah. you're like, probably. oh, I'm in the, I'm in the couch. <laughs> That's yeah. great. But, uh, and so I, I came with that and I said, I don't know how to love my sister well through this. What do I do? And then he unloaded and, and gave us great practical tips on how to navigate that great passages of scripture that speak to that. And I don't know how to 
love and lead our my kids through this mm-hmm. you know uh, how do I talk to them about mm-hmm. this and then you know that's what that's the tip I give people now with counseling you can't just go and sit there and expect them to be Jesus and fix you you right. know you it's have to help to be them Jesus. I think that's good like you're yeah. right you're and, exactly right it's work so, you've got to do and, the work and that's the other thing I tell people is that it's it's some of the depending on what it is but if you're going to counselor you got issues and uh, or, or a season of issues mm. uh that you have to understand the magnitude like this is gonna this is gonna be work mm-hmm. and it's it's and it was you know he made he encouraged us to do things i didn't want to do uh you know that were healthy and good that uh that just required a ton of emotional energy that mm. uh we just didn't think we had you know at, at that time and then we just began uh, we saw him for for a couple months uh, and, um, we kind of slowly began to, to find the tools to get around that wall mm-hmm. or to blast through it or to scale it. And that's, that's the best illustration I've, I've come up with personally that has helped explain that process. It was just brick wall. I like, I cannot get through this. And, and we all have those, mm-hmm. you know, in various seasons for various things. And I tell people, you can get around them. They exist, and man, they're hard. But with the right exactly. tools, you can get around them. You know, in in unique ways. How would you feel at the end of a counseling session? Oh, exhausted. I mean, just um, you know, it's you know, it's it, it, you you get what you put into it. And so, if I left, kind of like, oh, that was good. That usually meant I didn't give a lot to it. Mm. Um, and so, when I left, exhausted, and and you know. I felt like, okay, you know, it's like working out. It's like I, I gave it, you know, that was a good workout. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you I left pushed it all. It. Yeah, I, I left there. it all, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and so, so yeah, it was, you know, I, I encourage it, you know. The, so you what know. would you say if there's a woman listening that really feels like her and her husband need to go to counseling, but he doesn't want to go? What advice would you give her? That's a great question. I think you can only control yourself. You know, as we all know in marriage, you know, all we can do is uh, is is um, is change ourselves. We can't change our spouses. Um, you know, we can encourage, we can communicate, all of that. You know, I think she needs to go to counseling and, and navigate that brick so wall. So maybe she you know. kind of goes. And that's a great question. That's can. that's what I'm always telling people. That's a great question for a counselor. You know, yeah. I'm here. Uh, my, my husband and I are going through, you know, very serious marital problems. He won't come. How do I navigate that? Mm-hmm. You know, there's an answer to that mm-hmm. question. That's not that's not some insurmountable wall. You mm-hmm. know, it's 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 figuring out how to communicate to him, you know, in a, in a way that's healthy, in a way that is God honoring, in a way that's definitely communicating legit concerns that she has, but also in a way that it kind of goes back to premarital counseling stuff. It's a way you communicate nicely, you know, you know, be, be kind in how you, uh, voice that concern. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need to go to counseling or in, because, I think you because, need to go and yeah, I'll I think come you with need you. To go <laughs> exactly. and I'll come with you. Yeah. You know, that's, that does not that does not reward that husband for doing the healthy thing, which is to say, yes, we, we need to do that. You're trying to make it easier for your spouse to do the godly thing, mm-hmm. not harder. And when we sin and when we are unhealthy in our communication uh, towards our spouse, it makes it harder for them to be holy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you always want to be there. Uh, uh, David, uh, our executive pastor, when I were talking one day, just he gave a, a very wise piece of advice that he uses in, in premarital counseling is, my forgiveness is always here. I'm 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 coming to the line of forgiveness, and I'm not backing off. I'm I'm here, and I'll wait for you, you know, to come. And so I've I've started to use that because I think that's a good picture. I'm going to be the healthy Christian in this relationship, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to back off from that. So, what do healthy Christians do that are going through trials? They go to counseling, you know, you know, with with or without their their spouse. And so, uh, that's what I would tell her to do is uh, is go and and ask, hey, my husband needs to be here too. How do I how do I communicate well, mm-hmm. you know, to him and encourage him to do that, uh, and see what he says, you know, or what she says, you know, to that because. Uh, you know, that could be any number of, mm-hmm. of ways to get around that wall. You know, right. there's not just one way to get around it. There's, there's could be many ways to get around that wall. So well, then in, go ahead. You well, go I just have see. a quick question. Yeah. So you talk about the wall and so that wall was a loss. I mean, getting yeah. through the grief of that, but then grief as takes different forms. Right. And so 
even dealing with like the loss of your dad. And then like, I know that some of the ladies would like an update on Tara's health. So that's where I'm going with that. But even getting Tara being diagnosed with cancer, Mm -hmm. again, having the tools that you got from that first counseling um, session or sessions, you were able to implement there, but that's totally different. Grief. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a diagnosis. So what did that look like for y'all? Yeah, that one looked a little different. Um, it, it seemed, you know, you know, Sam's death was such a shock. It was such a nuclear explosion out of nowhere. We were in a wonderful place in life. We loved being in Frisco. We loved that my sister had moved here. We all, we all went to the same school. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just this nuclear explosion of, of grief. You know, even my dad's death with, you know, he died of COVID, you know, which that made it a little more traumatic than I think it naturally would mm-hmm. have. Um, you know, um, and, and then Tara's diagnosed with leukemia. What helped tremendously about, about that was, was knowing there, there's, there's medicine that works. Mm-hmm. And so it's a type of leukemia that, um, well, you never really know, you know, mm-hmm. you hear cancer, you freak out. Uh, our, our doctor was quick to, to tell us, Hey, there's this miracle drug, you know, mm. it's not only effective, but, but our patients are comfortable. They can still go back to work. And so I was, you know, I was kind of hanging my hat on, on that, you yeah. know, and hoping that was true. And, uh, what made it hard for us is, uh, she did not tolerate, uh, about three different types or rounds or dosages mm-hmm. of medicine for about five months. And so, so her body had a difficult, her physical body had yeah. a difficult response to the medication. Right. It was working. Her numbers were coming down, but she just felt terrible. And yeah. so it was, you know, there was a lot of discussion of, well, I guess this is how life's going to be. And, and I was like, no, this is, this is not what we've been sold. You know, that this mm-hmm. is, let's we, figure we, out we how this figure will be out. different. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went, you know, into solution mode to try to, you know, just be patient with that and navigate it and trust mm-hmm. the doctor who we got great recommendations of. And, and probably late, uh, late April, early May, it started to really switch. And so she, her, her, her comfort level dramatically increased and not, not perfect, but, um, but yeah, it was it was a season of 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 grief. I mean, it was you know, and, and again, because that's a lot. We're talking in a five year period. That's a, a lot. lot in a five year yeah. period. Those less, three less things, than that. less I mean, than that. Less than that. Even it was, that's significant. It definitely felt like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and and you know, the other thing that I think helped me in that is you know, I'm 41. I, I've had other seasons where it's been boom, 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 you know? Yeah. And so we know that, that those, those seasons come and they go, but it was, um, it was just, it was just so challenging, you know, mm-hmm. to, um, to process some, some normal life things that people experience. And again, you know, um, and, and some abnormal things that, that are, that are more rare, uh, tragedies, but, uh, but so the, how does that impacted how you've done ministry now? Um, I think, um, in the midst of it, I really had to work hard to, uh, to, to keep my spiritual energy in the game, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, there was plenty of Sundays that I did not want to be here, that I did not want to be on, you know, as we all know what that feels like in ministry. Um, uh, and I just, I just, I didn't, I just didn't want to do it yet. Every single time I came and the church was the church Mm -hmm. around me, just personally, it gave me that boost, you know, to, to, to remind myself that what I'm doing is important, uh, to remind myself that there's someone else potentially going through what I had gone through without the hope of Christ, without a, um, a, a, a deep connection to a local body of believers. And so it, it um, energized me to, to stay in, in, in the game, in the, if that makes sense. And uh, especially after Sam, I felt a renewed sense of the importance of, of youth ministry. You know, I think mm. the world of Chris and Sean and Brittany, uh, I, I, I look back at my time in youth ministry with a, uh, 
with a good pride, you know, to feel like, man, I've, God did some things mm-hmm. there uh, through uh, through our ministry. I mean, I talked with kids, you know, out of suicide. I talked with 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 families that had gone through that, mm-hmm. navigated that, uh, and so I felt good, you know, about that. Um, uh, so, youth ministry and evangelism. When we go out and knock on doors, I I think to myself every single time. There's someone behind this door that I have no idea what they're going through. And maybe, just maybe, you know, I'm, I'm the normal, healthy person reaching out to them. And that's our, that's our pitch at the doorstep. Hey, we just want you to know we're neighbors. You know, uh, we want you to know if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come. Anything you need, we can be praying for you about. And if we get to the gospel, great. If not... But what I always say is we just want you to know someone on this earth cares about you mm-hmm. enough to give up their Sunday afternoon to come and visit, you know, and we have weekly, we have very touching conversations mm-hmm. with people that, um, uh, you know, would not have, have happened, you know, if I hadn't chosen to get a team together and go out for an hour and, and visit with people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think just a renewed sense of evangelism, a renewed sense of the hope that's found in Christ um, um, would probably have already been there um, if I hadn't gone through those tragedies. But uh, that was a counseling tip Bob gave us was you need to do something that you would not have ordinarily done uh, in response to this. Um, write a book, you know, start an organization, mm-hmm. start a nonprofit, something. And, uh, and my response to that, I had just started this three circle stuff at that time. And that was my answer. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to launch an evangelism ministry and, mm. and we're going to train our adults to go talk to their neighbors and to go pursue people, mm. you know, with a strategy uh, to do that. And, um, you know, I don't talk about Sam a lot uh, in, in those settings, but I definitely talk about just the importance of, of obeying the Great Commission, the lives that can be changed and, and the lives are only going to change, you know, if we get out there and, and have those conversations and be obedient. We are the tool. There's no other mechanism. Right. It's the church, you know, mm-hmm. to, to uh, bring salvation to the world. Uh, God, God set it up that way. Jesus mm-hmm. commanded us to engage in that. And so if, if I don't knock on those doors, no one else will, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm not right. pursuing the, my neighbor, no one else will on earth. And I just, I, I learned that in my first missions class in seminary, I had a guy, Dr. Keith Idol, who I loved and, uh, he was a missionary in Africa and a, a student came to him with some options. He could either be a pastor at first Baptist wherever in Texas or go to this, um, particular area of, of West Africa and his his question to him was interesting. He said, well, how many people are in line to go to that particular country in West Africa? Uh, or how many people, how many resumes are in that for that church? He's like, oh, you know, there's 200. You know, how many people are in line to go to that particular country in West Africa? And he said, well, no one, you know. Mm-hmm. So he said, so if you don't go, no one will. And he said, at least right now, yeah. No. And it was just kind of that, you know, that's that. That's heavy. That's, yeah. Waiting. You know, that, that perspective to look at this and I, I look at our evangelism uh, ministry in that way and, and we we train our people uh, to look at their sphere of influence their five in that light is that if potentially now we don't know how God works or the people that you know he sends but potentially my neighbors my youth coaching buddies uh, no one else is inviting them to the church except me mm-hmm. you know no one else is knocking on their door inviting them over for Saturday dinner except me with mm-hmm. with the with the goal of of you know one day hopefully leading them to Christ and, and sharing at least sharing the gospel with them and so it kind of gives a um, I think a healthy perspective on that so yeah that renewed sense has been kind of my takeaway your, your takeaway yeah so we're gonna um we got a couple of questions to close with. This has been a great conversation, Mark. Mm-hmm. I it super has. appreciate Thank it. You. I you think bet. women are going to, that's the one thing I love about the podcast we're doing with our staff and Christine, I've talked about a lot is the stories have been touching. It's more than just a job Yeah. and you bring, there's nothing. Ministry is so different than any other job on the face of the planet because the people you're serving are also the people paying your salary and keeping the lights on in your church, but they're the people you're leading. And then you're also a family. I mean, it's very, it's just an interesting dynamic, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so, um, with that being said, a couple of questions before we get to the lightning round, what do you love the most then about ministry? What do you love about it? 
I mean, I feel like you've, you've demonstrated a lot of your passion for evangelism, all that stuff, but real quick in a couple sentences, if you could just say, this is what I love. Two sentences, Mark. What are you going to say? <laughs> what do I love most about ministry? Um, probably seeing, uh, getting the text messages from adults Hey, I led someone to Christ, or oh. I shared my faith with my boss. So the equip, uh, seeing the equipping work, seeing it applied, applied. You know, yeah. it's uh, it, yeah, that's my favorite thing, without question. That's and awesome. I ran into a guy who went through our ten for ten, and he led his friend's nephew to Christ and baptized him. And that's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. there you go. That's Man, it. That, that's, that's it. Awesome. That's my favorite. What do you think is the most challenging or the hardest thing about ministry? I think just being patient with people, um, um, you, you, you preach this content, you teach this content, you tell them to apply it and being patient with them as, as, as Jesus is with me, Mm -hmm. you know, to actually apply these things. You, you expect them to do it immediately because it's right and good and correct and you should be doing it Obey the Lord. And then, uh, when they don't being patient with them and continuing to love them and continuing to encourage that without backing off or accepting their reasoning, apathy, laziness, whatever, for not following through with those things um, is definitely a struggle. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want the entire church to go through, you know, the 10 for 10 and come out, you know, and all this kind Ready of stuff. Ready to go. And when they don't, it's like, okay, I got to be patient with whoever yeah. God, you know, chooses to bring in. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's patience good. in ministry is hard. It yep. is hard. Because it can be a slog sometimes, slow yep. days. Okay, so we do a lightning round that we end up, just the lightning round of questions that we end with. Kind of just some fun, lighthearted information. Mm-hmm. So Chrissy's got those. So what is the last show that you binged, watched, and loved? Last show that I binged? Ooh, Stranger Things. Oh. oh. On VidAngel. You On know what VidAngel is? Yeah, VidAngel. So <clears throat> it cut out It cut out the more inappropriate things. Yes. Uh Vid uh, Angel? Nine yeah. bucks a month, ten bucks a month. Never heard of Vid Angel? Hmm. And oh. doesn't have every show that's ever been created, okay. but Stranger Things, a lot of Netflix mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, you can cut out cuss words or you mm. know inappropriate stuff or whatever, and it doesn't feel like one big edited thing. It feels oh, that's normal. Good. And so, but okay. yeah, we're we're Stranger Things freaks in our in oh. nice. Oh. Okay, what is something that people people often get wrong about you? Maybe, and it's not a big deal per se, but I, I think sometimes people think that our evangelism ministries, especially the 10 for 10, is all about evangelism, mm-hmm. and it's all door knocking, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's oh. it's not. It's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, I'm very proud of, of, of the ministry and, and the, and the discipleship plan that we've created because that's a, I think it's a very well-rounded discipleship mm-hmm. plan that just includes evangelism mm-hmm. when most don't, mm-hmm. you know, most it's prayer, Bible study, application, love people well. And we don't even mention the, the concept of making disciples. This mm-hmm. just is included that is. in that. So I think a lot of people say, say no to my mm-hmm. request thinking he's going to ask me. They to think they already know. Right. That's right. Like, no, 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 no. That's, that's what we do for practice purely. But, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, outside of Christy and Debbie. Uh, <laughs> Chris and Sean. Yeah, and Chris I'm just kidding. and Sean. No, pet peeve. Um, Someone I, said um, people talking over them. What about noises when people eat? Nothing. Fast drivers, uh, people that cut you off, people that don't slow. walk in the crossway at Walmart. My That's biggest it. pet peeve is when they walk in an angle in a parking lot and you have to follow behind them because they don't just cross the road. Yeah, no. <laughs> like That's, but that's her. Probably that's uh, bad... <laughs> Or slow drivers. Oh, that's good. That makes yes. sense. Yes. Okay. Yes. I like your, that. I, your pet peeve is bad drivers. I occasionally push the limits of the law on on speeding. That uh, is okay. And I'm I'm a Dallas person, and so mm-hmm. I've been trained accordingly to drive. <laughs> your expectations people uh, get out of the way. I can drive in Shanghai or mm. Port-au-Prince, Haiti, or Dallas. <laughs> yes. It doesn't matter. Mm. And so preach, Mark. Uh, so slow or bad drivers. drivers. Uh, are a challenge to yeah. me. They're a that. peeve. That's a good. good. That's a great Did answer. Did you just learn something about yourself? No, no. That's <laughs> I just you, you just admitted it's it. It's in there. It's in there. You just Sarah admitted it. Knows it. Yeah. The boys know it. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows it. Yeah. Okay. The noisy narrative is about cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter. What is your narrative right now? So fill in the blank. Blank narrative for this time in your life. Mm-hmm. 
Mark's giving me the stink eye. It is not. There is nothing girly about it. It's fill in the blank. There is gender neutral. (laughs) Totally. I don't know how to it's just answer we're that. making you think because that's uh, what girly really about right it. Now? Like, where, where, what season are you in right now? Are you in a quiet season, a fast season? Okay. A, that a, makes sense. Like what kind of season? What's the narrative in your um, head right now? Maybe. I I think for Tara and I both, we're in a season of uh, of just kind of in in healing and mm, uh, you know just kind of returning to some of the normal healthy habits now that we're not in trauma yeah. you know and sometimes people when they stay too long yeah. in those valleys oh. and and they don't you know you forget fight when it's time to, to walk to out climb that mm-hmm. mountain back mm-hmm. up top That's and a good so analogy. i think we're um, like a know, restorative time yeah i think we're you know we're halfway up the mountain like we're climbing good. still and so uh fun. not you know things aren't peachy and perfect you know kind of like they were when we first came here mm-hmm. um but uh but we've yeah we're we're healing i okay. guess but, but even that sounds a little too weak i mean we're doing great it's just it's okay to be weak mark just, we're uh, okay with weakness. Yeah. well i mean it's you know well, it's okay yeah that's a great that's one healing you're gonna healing. Great. healing i mean I life it. transforms us right the things it's that so come good. so even as we're walking up the mountain man our tools yeah. are different i mean yeah. <laughs> maybe oh, you've yeah. got some walking sticks where before yeah you just you needed like a wheelchair. You you yeah, that's right. There you go. Okay, last one. You're up in heaven looking down at your funeral. What do you hope people say about you? And you cannot say that you are a good and faithful servant or that you love Jesus. Because we know that about you already because you're in heaven. Uh, what do I hope people say about me? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I haven't thought about that. Um Mark these questions. I have to edit more silences. I'm thinking. Um, what do you hope process. people think about you? Say about I, you. I hope. I hope that people will say that uh, that I loved people well. That I loved my family well. Mm. That I uh, was faithful in ministry. That I. Um, that I pointed people to Jesus um, and that I fought hard. Oh, that's great. See? That's so Way to pause. Good. You, you came go. up with lots of good and stuff. And we made there you, you tear up. No, you See? didn't. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. You <laughs> about. We've only, we've had right most everybody here. has sat here from our ministry team and cried. That's right. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Almost. You're not crying. I'm not one of them. Uh, you're not crying, Christy. Mark's exactly. crying. You're Mark's not crying. crying. Yeah. I'm not crying. You're Christy, crying. you're crying. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, thank you. It's, this conversation's been a My blessing. Pleasure. We you appreciate bet. it very much. And that's it from us, guys. Until um, next time, this is Noisy Narratives Out. We will talk to you later. Bye. Life can be amazing.